There we go. Uh, today we're going to be hearing presentations for SIP 345, 346, and a number of new perps listings. Uh, Kev, since you're here, do you want to kick it off with the 345 presentation? Yeah, let's rock and roll. Um, 345. Uh, buyback and burn. So Andromeda is deploying Perps v3 and the core v3 system to base. And what this proposes is to use 50% of the fees earned by that deployment, which is isolated, to buy back and burn SNX on base chain. So half the fees earned by the system, <clears throat> excuse me, will go to the uh, – this SIP doesn't look like it's been updated because it should only be USDC um, for clarity. So it should only be USDC, which is expected to be collateral on base. But half the fees will go to the USDC LPs, um, and half of the fees would go to be used buying um, SNX on the base chain and ultimately being burnt. There has been some discussion about the right mechanism to do this. So far, we're looking at copying um, Yearn's contract for buy and burn that's been around for quite a while. Uh, in either case, we would need to deploy this contract onto base, um, feed the fees from the markets that are earning earning revenue, and then manually, to begin with, withdraw the SNX and, and burn it. Worth saying that the motivation here really is a is a, a solution that's technically as simple as possible, um, given this is an experiment. If the fees grow as we hope they do, and this becomes uh, an inadequate solution, we can always propose to, to make a change. Um, I think that is a pretty good overrun of the SIP. We, let me do, the one thing to, to call out is there has been discussion around sending fees around, bridging fees back, sharing with LPs, um, that is technically possible, but probably a much higher manual lift for now. So buying and burning seemed like the most elegant solution. It's probably and not the most complex. Maybe, but maybe it's, it's worth it because buying back and burning it will give very little value to the stakers. And I agree, it's it's a it's a more complicated way. To, you know, to, to bridge, to swap it, to bridge it, to, to send it to the, the right contracts. But yeah, if, if, uh, the extra steps is the only obstacle, I don't see why we shouldn't do it because it creates more value for the stakers. So personally, I hate buybacks. I think like the worst, like, but in this case, like, it's just a very unique situation where the worst, what's usually the worst solution is kind of the best solution. And I'll say because it's not just base. After base, there's other deployments. Like having manually tra like process all those transactions on every chain and bridge it back and like burning it. And then also it leads into the discussion of is SNX going to continue staking um, on optimism, right? Like if it is, that's what then you can burn the fees. If not, then how are you going to distribute it, right? You can't just burn the fees like because SNX is not taking on debt on the as collateral in V3 anymore, if it isn't, right? Like, so, like, there's all these questions. And then to give us the most flexibility, the easiest thing is just keep the fees on the chain. 
but like the UX of having to claim those fees on that chain, like bridging estimates there and claiming there is like, it's proven to fail and it's failed with like beefy. They tried to do that. And it's like, they do that right now where you could bridge beefy to whatever chain and claim from there. And it's just like, it's terrible, but you know, so realistically it's kind of like just the best option out of what is available. And then, and that is, it is it's just an experiment. It's not like set in stone. We could always, you know, come up with a new proposal for a different idea if it doesn't work. Can I, can I make a comment about buybacks and burns? Like, you, I think you're starting from an assumption of it's not a good idea. I think it would be worth at least calling out what the reasoning is behind why you think it's a bad idea. Like, what what are the things that you think buybacks and burns are doing wrong, or what's the incentive incompatible aspect of it? Was that a question for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you yeah, sort of okay. started with like five acts and burns are bad, but like, oh, maybe we yeah, should yeah. do it this time. I think it's worth defending like why you actually believe that. So yeah, I think because a lot of it has to do with the liquidity situation at the time of the buyback. And that's a real impact. So like buybacks at a certain price might not have as much of an impact as buybacks at a different price. And so like there is that whole dynamic and it'd be just like, I think like there's a lot of like data to show that there is a difference and like, there is possibility of value being lost and there's a possibility of value being created, right? Like if it's buybacks at a certain price that are, are, are reasonable, but depending on liquid liquidity situation, it's not consistent. So like there is, you know, um, value leakage in my opinion and versus like directly just giving the fees that are earned directly to like stakers, but it's just, that's not as feasible in this situation. But um, yeah, I just think it's, it, there is a bit of value, value leakage. I mean, okay. there, there uh, is value leakage, but um. But as far as it being less effective at certain prices, isn't the the value of distributing additional fees at certain SNX prices the same? Like as the SNX price gets higher, the APY you get from additional from an additional dollar is smaller. So it's the same problem. It's it's the same problem, but the thing is, like the fees are there for whoever is staking it. Like it doesn't fluctuate, right? Like it stays consistent. So whoever is like continues to stake, they'll continue to earn and like whoever sells off, right? Like, but the, the, the difference is that you don't actually have to sell us next to realize the gain. You could just, you know, keep us next and continue staking. Whereas the, with the latter, you have to like sell your SNX to realize like this yield, like potentially, right? So it, it, there's like the dynamic. I, Maker's done it for years. I criticize them a lot. I, this is like a tail I'll die on, but like, I feel like in this situation, it, it, it does actually makes sense. Like, so. I, you know, broadly agree with you, right? Like, I think um, I've been very uh, anti-buyback and burn for a long time, um, but under one condition. I think it's really important to know what that condition is. If you could create incentives and you have a thing that you want people to do with the token, right, some, like, participatory aspect of the protocol, then paying people to do that thing, right, is the most efficient thing because you get the flywheel going. Right. But we're contemplating moving into an environment where the SNX token is no longer the kind of critical component in the system. Right. And that incentivizing people to stake is no longer, you know, a kind of do or die situation. Right. Um, and in that case, you know, the early uh, incentive structure was if you have idle SNX, you get inflated out. And if you have staked SNX, you own more of the network. And that was extremely powerful. If we go into an environment where you know, whether you stake or not, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, it's, it's not hugely impactful. Um, 
which is, I think, potentially the path that we're headed towards, right? Where, you know, SNX is for governance and that gives you, you know, some governance power and there's maybe some value to that. Uh, but ultimately, um, you know, what we're trying to achieve is, um, you know, the, the yield on the SNX token, right? Or the, the revenue that's being generated by the network is somehow distributed to holders of the token, right? And it doesn't really matter whether they're holding the token on Binance or they're staking it on the SNX app chain, right? Um, then at that point, I think the inefficiency of buybacks and burns kind of shifts. And, and my view is that it actually isn't that bad. And almost, you know, your argument of you have to sell us next to realize the gain, that actually is a benefit, I would argue. That's a feature. Um, because at that point, if you want an unrealized gain, you can just sit on the token, right? And when it comes to, uh, you know, an environment where hopefully more institutional capital is coming into the space in the next cycle. Um, and, you know, I don't want to play the institutions are coming game, but like at some point we need, you know, large scale people holding this token. Um, it's pretty well demonstrated that buybacks are actually very preferential for that type of capital um, because it gives them a lot of flexibility on when they realize gains and how they realize it as opposed to dividends where, um, you know, it, it creates a, a sort of baked in, uh, like obligation almost, right? That like, you know, there, there should be some kind of dividend. If the dividend falls, then the thing's dead, whatever, right? Whereas like, you know, if the buyback and burn for a quarter is like not optimal, no one's going to die, right? Like it's just, you know, not, uh, it's not as impactful, um, as opposed to like, oh, the dividend dropped, the yield's lower, et cetera. So I think there's a whole bunch of like financial engineering considerations to, to factor in here. But as you say, it is an experiment and we're kind of running two things simultaneously. We're running, you know, debt repayment on one chain and we're running buybacks and burns on the other chain. And I think even though that creates like some confounding variables, it will be able to give us some information that we can then use to decide you know, what is the ultimate path of go now. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, the track five people do seem to like buybacks a lot. Um, and I also actually agree. Like I, I think incentives like uh, like fees would be best used to incentivize some particular thing that you that you need so in the future if that if there is a particular thing i'll be very much open to like directing fees to um you know having snx holders do that particular thing like whether that's governance or whatever like i'm, I'm open to that but you know uh, yeah i like fully agree with you on everything else um in in my view here i i've been kind of trying to troll everybody for my own personal benefit to think this through. But I think the like the end result of my thinking is that we don't have another great solution. Like the only other solution right now is to have some kind of manual process. And I think a manual process is almost always going to be worse, especially since we don't know when there's going to be an end to this manual process. So I don't know why we would sign up for this kind of never ending reliance on uh, the TC as, as much as we love them. Uh, when there's another option that doesn't rely on them. The, and the we term, can always do it later. The term is also relying on manual steps. Sorry, Gene, you were a little unclear there. Could you repeat that, please? He said there is some manualness uh, to the current solution. And that's true. There is, like, con- uh, function need to be called. But I think in, like, the not longer, or not even the longer, in the medium run, all those c- functions can pretty much be made public. So like the whole sending fees to the to the contract and the burning could all just be automated. Like anyone could just call the function and do it. 
yeah, that's what I'm expecting we could do. Yeah, um, it, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a huge challenge, honestly, to make this permissionless process. I would be totally open to um, some other solution in the future when we have one that's that's great and doesn't have this manual overhead from the TC. But I just personally think that that's that's kind of a last resort. Uh, the more I think about it, no shade on the TC. We we love you guys. I love you guys. Would love you to love me. But um, no, I don't think it's a great idea to have that part of the process. Um, so just a, another point, right? Like in this experiment, um, you know, there's a fairly long history. Um, I think Binance is probably the best example of this, of saying like, oh, we're going to use, you know, X percentage of the revenue to do buybacks. Right. And the assumption is that like, you know, they mean on market. Right. Um, but the reality is that oftentimes it's like out of, you know, the treasury. Right. And so it's like just revenue going out of the treasury, going back into the treasury. That said, it's not nothing, right? Because if at the moment, let's say Binance was sitting on 100 million BNB, and over the course of like five years, that 100 million BNB went down to 50 million BNB, that's 50 million BNB that they can't dump on everyone's heads, right? So there is some argument for like long-term, you know, even if it doesn't have an immediate price impact. There's an argument to be made for the people who are like, you know, and I've heard this a few times, like, why don't we just uh, buy it back and hold it, right? And my concern with that is, like, who's going to hold it? The Treasury. The Treasury already has too much SNX and arguably, you know, is a decent custodian of it. But I would say, you know, it could be better. Um, and so my view would be that, like, we could actually um, make this a permission system where only the Treasury can actually sell into this, right? And we're burning the Treasury um, and, you know, potentially returning capital to the treasury in the form of like stables or whatever um, to reduce the, the treasury uh, pile. And then, you know, with the ultimate aim at some point of doing some kind of distribution to SX holders out of the treasury, if there's your know, excess funds sitting there, um, but getting, you know, reducing that giant pile of whatever it is, 40 million SNX or something like that to something more manageable, 20 million, while not necessarily wasting the money, as I think some people have kind of claimed that, buyback and birth are, are a waste. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that we could cut this, I think. Uh, that's an interesting point, actually. But would that increase in the liquidity for uh, SNX tokens on, like, a lot of the pools, or would it kind of be neutral if the Treasury... It, have, it, would have no, it would have no impact, right? It's just, like, there's a pool where the fees sit, and the Treasury can just turn up and sell SNX into that. Right. They get the fees. Now the fees are sitting in the treasury and there's SNX that's burnt. Right. So, you know, like let's say they were doing 200K SNX a week or something like that. Right. You know, over the course of a year, you know, we've reduced the treasury by whatever, 6 million, 8 billion SNX or something like that, depending on prices. Got it. And and depending on the fee yield. Now that said, then you end up in a situation where instead of having 40 million SNX, the treasury has, you know, whatever, 100 million in stables, um, which also has its own concerns, right? Because you don't want them to then, you know, start leaking that out to grifters or whatever. But, um, you know, we I think we have a decently um, managed treasury that doesn't waste too much money, so it wouldn't be a huge concern. Well, actually, for 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 the buyback and burn, more of a longer term discussion as well for um, the synthetics token would be um, 
how how would it? I guess for optics, why a lot of buyback and burn uh, tokens that have done this kind of mechanism, like kind of like Maker, um, they've actually always had this idea of a fixed supply, um, and I guess it ties into like how would we see it with kind of like synthetic tokens does still have incentives, which is you know kind of paid by inflation, and I think we do want to keep the inflation. So the buyback and burn, I think. Uh, optics wise would uh, we would have to kind of tell people that you know meanwhile we do have this inflation for incentives and all that the buyback and burn might be it's almost I kind of see like uh, the EIP 1559 the, our SNX or supply burn is even higher than the inflation incentives that we're giving out so I do see that we could either live with both or we're looking at or are we looking at fixing the supply for SNX. Um, but I'm leaning towards more like we could have both and, you know, even be a, have a narrative where our burden is higher than the incentives that we give out. Um, yeah, just, just curious if anyone had any thoughts on that one as well, how this would kind of tie in with inflation. Oh, by the way, uh, Kate, what happened to um, abolishing the the treasury and, and all that? I, I, I recall that was somewhat on somewhat a, a topic of discussion. Yeah, I mean, I still think we should, right? Like, you can go back and read that uh, that original post. I think it's like six months old or something like that, right? Like, you know, the intent was not to do it in twenty minutes. That said, I think that we have a fundamental problem. This is a longer conversation, separate conversation, but I think we have a fundamental problem in how our accounts operate where we have people that are elected to council who are not operational people right and there's actually no operational layer to facilitate the agenda of the council members that goes for both the treasury and the Spartan council and i actually think that we need um some kind of like operational layer in those uh uh councils because if we had let's say two operational people who are full-time in the treasury council i think that agenda would have been uh, push much more aggressively. Um, because realistically, like, you know, the people who are uh, on the Treasury Council, it's not their full-time role, right? Like they're, it's there as like a kind of ad hoc thing that they're, they're doing on the side. You know, most, most of the people who've been in the Treasury have some full-time role or, you know, maybe multiple full-time roles that they're doing. So, um, you know, having some people whose job it is to, pursue the agenda that's set by the people that are elected um, that have continuity between councils, I think is probably one of the things that I've seen over the last six months that I think is really missing in the overall uh, DAO structure that we have. And I think would be a, a pretty huge improvement. On the topic of inflation. Yeah, on the topic of inflation. If I can just chip in because that was mentioned. Uh, so on the topic of inflation, assuming we go down the route where you know, synthetics is not the main collateral uh, that's necessary to bootstrap liquidity, and you know we do have other collateral types, then 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 incentivizing the behavior of staking uh, synthetics through inflation is is not really necessary anymore. I mean, we do have inflation to incentivize this behavior because synthetics token is the collateral that we want to back, uh, you know, minted as USD liquidity. So maybe in the future, uh, with a buyback and burn mechanism out there, uh, we do decide to maybe curb inflation completely. 
and we might eventually reach that minimal 300 uh, million synthetic tokens total supply with a buyback and burn. That's just honestly, I think I, like my view is we should shut down inflation now. Like there's really no need for it at this point. It's too low to be meaningful, and the optics are still bad, right? It's like that's next inflation token. If it were if it we're up to me, I would shut down inflation now. Also vested and like escrowed and discounted heavily by the market and all that. Yeah, like it's just not it's not like doing its job anymore. I think it would be very very meaningful. It is meaningful because it's like half to to one third of the yield that stakers are getting. So if you shut it off right now, it's like a huge cut. Do you really think stakers like buy that though? Do you think they they actually don't know that that yield is escrowed in in SNX tokens? Sure, but saying it's not meaningful, that's not really true. It's it's a meaningful part of the yield. Should, should the council plan something, uh, plan it out yeah. then, just instead of well, turning it off like like right now today? Uh, why don't we just put a plan out for let's say x amount of weeks or months? We're going to turn this inflation off, you know, given these certain reasons. Um, I mean. It's always kind of scary to just say, of course, you're going to lose half of the yield, um, and we might have a huge shock to the system. Um, you know, I, I think. But, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, we have empirical data. I've run this yeah. fucking experiment. You remember, and you shut it down, all of you guys, whoever's still on the council from those times, like fucking Caleb's here as well, right? Like, um, we tried this. I think it's a ridiculous argument to say that you know two thirds of the yields coming from. Uh, or a third of the yield or some portion. Like, we had inflation running at, like, 10x the yield. And as we dropped it down, it did, had no meaningful impact on stakers. Like, I just don't think stakers are being impacted by that. I think if you continue to allow inflation to fall, I think it would have no meaningful impact on staking. At this point, stakers are in there for the debt burn, and... It's a nice bonus, but I don't think anyone shifts if you shut down inflation. Now, that's what I, I think, you know, just like switching it off tomorrow would probably be not a great idea. But if we went back to decreasing inflation by 10%, uh, you know, a, a week or something like that, um, I don't think anyone would even notice or react to it. So getting uh, getting a little off topic here, it sounds like this might be worthy of another sip. Uh, was there any more discussion for the buyback and burn SNX on base? And does anybody have any? It seemed like there was some objection to a manual a manual process. Uh, just a quick temperature check. Anybody? Enough people would enough people vote no on that that it's not worth putting it to a vote yet. Sorry, just like on that as well, though. Um, I, I we're talking about reducing the supply, right? And we have uh, an offsetting increase in supply every week, right? Like I don't know that it's necessarily off topic, right? If we're saying that we're trying to achieve something, which is reducing the supply, um, I think shutting off inflation to maximize the impact of that is absolutely on topic. No, I agree. It's just the SIP goes completely out of the window anyway, right? You'd have to put a, but anyway, yeah, continue. I just wanted to kind of guide the conversation back towards the buyback and burn. 
I would personally be very in much in support of uh, ending inflation, especially since it's escrowed. Like, it's um, just technical debt. Like, uh, it's all kind of problems. Kills the composability, everything. Yeah, I think, right. Go ahead, Bert. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, I think in the future, maybe, maybe there will be some, uh, activity that we want to incentivize. Um, maybe we want to direct inflation at, at future LPs in D3, but I, I do kind of agree. Like, I don't think any of the current SNX stakers are, are seeing SNX, uh, yield as actual yield. Uh, so I don't, I don't really believe that it's meaningful. It's certainly not meaningful to me. Just on the topic, though, of, uh, of um, incentives, I agree we are going to need to incentivize behavior in V3, for sure. But luckily, we have a pile of, you know, 40 million assets or whatever that we can use for that, right? Um, and at the current prices, I think the Treasury actually has some free SNX. So, um, you know, there's there's room for leveraging that, that hoard of SNX's incentives um, versus inflation. Actually, has has the ten uh, percent decreasing the inflation by ten percent once we reach the eighty percent staking ratio? Is, is that turned off currently? Then, and um, is that something we could even consider turning back on once this buyback and burn is out? Because then slowly inflation would just steadily turn off. Yeah, there was a cap that was put on it, basically, um, like a, a lower bound on the inflation. Lower bound, so, yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and you, could, you, could switch the, you could remove it. You could remove the lower bound, and then it would be back to this dynamic thing. Um, I don't know what the current staking ratio is, in fairness. Um, I'm assuming it's fairly stable, uh, but maybe someone has that data. Um, yeah, we, we, we could even look at that. Just from the data, and uh, if if the SIP owner would would we include it inside this buyback and burn SIP, or is that something else uh, on a, a separate SIP altogether? You're gonna give Connor a heart attack. I'm pretty sure that's part. That'd be a separate uh, SIP. Shut <laughs> <laughs> it in. Yeah, I think the buyback and burn probably by itself as a SIP and maybe turning off inflation might be a separate one, although they're related. Okay. Happy to sponsor that one. If we want to try um, slowing down uh, the inflation as part of this experiment as well, because I think the optics-wise, a lot of people are still seeing, um, people still are quite skeptical that we're paying out a lot of incentives um, you know, on top of the fees and, you know, as, as a driver of kind of like people don't understand how to price SNX as a, as a token and all these other reasons. All right. If there is no further discussion on the buyback and burn, we can move on to SIP 346. Uh, perps v3 integrator incentives. Uh, Bert, whenever you're ready. Yep. Let me, uh, let me pull it up here so I can read it to you guys. 
All right. So um, I, I did want to I think this was shared at the top of the last presentation, but I did want to point out that the uh, previous SIP that you heard, um, the split would be after integrators are paid. So exactly how much goes to SNX stakers uh, depends on the result of the integrator uh, fee share discussion. So uh, as much as it would be great for me to uh, leave all of that confusing to you, it's probably uh, best to clarify exactly how this works, that um, first the integrator fee share is taken off and then everything would be split between uh, LPs and uh, SNX stakers on base. Um, so with that said, uh, I am suggesting a very simple mechanism here, which is 20% uh, directly to integrators. Um, we had kind of talked about potentially using uh, an SNX buyback or something like this, but um, adding a lot of complexity, especially with our first V3 perps deployment, seems like probably uh, not not the most ideal move. And we can always you know, come back and look at this on subsequent deployments. Um, so the uh, motivation here is that, well, uh V2 does have some fee share coming directly from the treasury. It's not enough for um, kind of sustainability from from front ends. And, you know, from an SNX perspective, although we're trying to keep as much as possible for SNX stakers, uh, we do need a front end. So um, you either need to create a solution that's going to incentivize and, and sustain front ends or build a front end yourself. Um, and this is a solution that would uh, give enough of an incentive that um, I'm fairly certain that multiple front ends would continue building um, and and uh, and providing this service. Um, it's a fairly simple requirement. You sign up for a tracking code, and if you sign up for a tracking code and direct volume at that tracking code, you get 20% um, of the SUSD off the top. And uh, our hope is that this actually provides some kind of um, value back to stakers because uh, not only does having a, a sustainable front end result in actually having somewhere that people can go to trade, but um, we're also hoping that this provides a kind of a scalable solution for a scalable incentive for front end integrators to come and actually have a vested interest in producing more volume. Um, that's kind of one of the big issues right now. Uh, as an integrator, it looks very nice to have big volume numbers, but if you don't get much tangible benefit from it, um, first of all, there's not an incredible incentive to uh, keep doing it. And second of all, it's uh, very difficult to then say, well, we're going to spend more on marketing and these types of things in order to generate more volume. Whereas having this kind of one-to-one -one, uh, share in the fees uh, provides that incentive where, you know, if volume doubles, um, everybody gets twice as much money. So that is my uh, reasoning for this 20% fee share. And I believe it's, um, you know, after talking with integrators, talking with Spartan Council and, and stakers, I believe this is this is approximately in the middle of uh, what every actor was hoping for. So I think it's a good compromise uh, and a, a great way to start on base and see how it goes. Any questions? We discuss this a lot um, in public channels, private channels discussions. So I would hope that there is much contention from the council. 
and yes, Tara is asking if uh, we wanted 40%. And yes, I would love 40%. Um, I don't think 40% is, uh, is possible. <laughs> so we're gonna, we're gonna say 20% is, is enough that, um, you know, we've discussed it with integrators. We've discussed it with council. And I'm going to say that 20% is a number where, um, the integrators that I spoke with, um, were maybe not overjoyed, but were, uh, were giving the nod from what I can understand. What fucking greedy integrator is not overjoyed at 20%? Like, well, I, I want 40%, but, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think, um, you know, I think some integrators were, were making their own suggestion. I know, um, uh, Rage Trade came in and suggested 25 to 30%. Um, that would, that would be great. I would love to see what we could do with, uh, with that type of revenue, but, um, you know, sometimes you have to compromise, don't you? It, it should be worth to mention, like, you know, 20% is pretty reasonable and that, like, Obviously, LPs are taking a ton of risk, whereas the front end obviously doesn't really take on much risk. And then also um, SNX holders are obviously taking on a ton of governance risk. So, you know, you got to balance it out. But, yeah, I think we all we all are in agreement on 20 percent. It's finally time for integrators to get their their get their due. Yeah, I think what we're hoping to prove here is that. um is that also this can, this can generate a virtuous cycle. You have to consider that, uh, with, with 20% fee share, you only need to raise, uh, volume by 25% overall with the interest in integrations in order to be, uh, essentially at par with zero. So if we can, if we can kind of hit that mark, then, um, everybody's making more money. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. This is, uh, only on base is, uh, the proposal I made. I would love to see. Proposal everywhere, but we're starting just on base, so um, we'll see how this goes on base, and hopefully it uh, goes well. I don't see that specified in the SIP. Actually, that's only on base. It says that it's perps B three, which is going to be only on base at first. But um, uh, then the network at the top says base. All right, the network, right? All right. Uh, thank you, Bert. As Millie mentioned. Uh, Everybody's probably aware this has been discussed at length publicly and privately. So uh, thank you, Bert. And let's go ahead and move on to the PERP market edition presentations for the evening. Do we have gunboats here? Uh, I'm filling in with gunboat or for gunboats today. So you'll just have to let me know the uh, what's being presented. Sure. So we have... 2035 first to list uh, the Celestia token. Uh, the Celestia token. Wonderful. So the Celestia token is the uh, hottest up-and-coming Cosmo cryptocurrency uh, with a focus on data sampling for other blockchains. Um, and so this is a uh, sort of a sort of an up-and-coming meme token. It's something that uh has been getting a lot of interest, and we would love to offer this to traders. Um, and it will require Pith and Chainlink fees. And Wait, when I say meme, when I say meme token, I mean it's uh, Celestia is not launched yet. So let's let's face it, this is not based on fundamentals. 
Slushy is live. Like the Genesis block was when the token went. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah, it wasn't even an airdrop. It was actually Genesis block. So I'm a bit sentimental on that. I was part of this Genesis block. All right, I'm deferring to Millie on this one. Uh, Don't listen to me. All right. It uh, doesn't seem like there are any questions on Celestia. We can move on to SIP 2039 to list meme. Uh, this one, actually, a literal meme token. Um, meme token is a currency from Meanland, Memeland, a venture studio from 9gag. Uh, it's been listed on the Binance Launchpad and will be available to trade on Binance. Uh, again, we will need both a pith and a chain link feed. All right. If there are no questions on 2039, the last one uh, of the Purse Market Editions 2040 to list Anchor, Fetch, and Graph. Incredible. Uh, so these are uh, three wonderful um, projects. Anchor, Fetch, which uh, I, I frankly have never heard of. If somebody could let, let me know what Fetch is, that would be great. And Graph, which we should all be uh, familiar with because it's a uh, uh, 2018 OG uh, protocol that we all use probably every day. Um, and, of course, a uh, wonderful token. And there is a uh, CoinGecko data here in the SIP. Uh, because these are actively traded. And again, we'll need a um, uh, chain link and pith feed for these ones. I have a little questionable about Anchor. Is there any interest? Like, does this market get any activity at all? Like, Elsewhere, because Anchor has just been kind of off the radar for a while now. Uh, well, it has a uh, a whopping 28 million 24-hour volume on Blowfin. Blowfin. Yeah, I think that <laughs> you could probably write that one off. Um. Uh, there is a Binance Futures and a Bybit Futures feed for Anchor. So I think those would probably be uh, good reasons that we could potentially list it. Um, I'm not really sure about demand here, but uh, at, at the very least, there would be somewhere to hedge. Yeah, it says there's about 4 million open interests on Binance. All right. All right, if there are no questions on these perp markets, uh, I think that brings us to the end of the presentations for this evening. Thank you to all the presenters and everyone in the audience. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos.